0: Thank you so much for checking out the Christian Church of Clarendon Hills podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon. We invite you to stop by www.ccch.org to find out more about our church and to make plans to visit us on a Sunday morning. I love that sermon, but We're going to be showing that old series. Last Christmas, I found the perfect gift. For my wife, Sarah, and for her mom, Lucy, my mother-in-law, about this time last year, I was looking through a catalog, I found a lamp. It's a two-part lamp. I don't know if you've seen these where if you touch one of the lamps, the other lamp anywhere in the world lights up, so long as they both have Wi-Fi connection, and so Sarah, just about each night before bed, touches her lamp here in Chicago and her mom's lamp in Phoenix lights up, let her mom know that she's thinking of her and then a few seconds later, Sarah's light illuminates. Her mom's doing the same thing back to her. So not only did I find the perfect gift, I also scored son-in-law points. (laughs) Within the Christmas season, Uh, Almost every one of us, at one time or another, has been looking for the perfect gift. There are movies about that, Black Friday, Cyber Monday ads use that language. And for some of us, we find ourselves in that pursuit every single year, looking for the perfect gift. But what some of us don't realize is that it's not always the first or second or third idea of a gift that's the one that's the most impactful to the person we're giving it to. Oftentimes, it's the most unexpected gift that ends up being the most important, being the most impactful to the person we give it to. But Jesus himself is like that. Before you were saved, you living life on your own, didn't realize that you needed Jesus in your life. And now that you've gotten saved, now that you're in a relationship with Him, you don't know how you really operated properly without Him. He was the unexpected gift for you and for me. And what Jesus has to offer us this Christmas season is Himself, the perfect gift. And it's the gift that we all, myself included, desperately need this Advent season. This series, we're going to be looking at the different ways that Jesus reveals himself as the perfect gift. Last week, J.K. started us off by talking about Jesus as a baby. And this week, we're going to be looking at Jesus as light. We're actually going to be starting in the Old Testament, so if you have a Bible with you today, whether you brought one from home or one right in front of you, turn with me to the book of Isaiah. It's about halfway through the Bible. The page number will be on the screen, or if you want to look on on the device or the the large screens, feel free. We're going to be starting in Isaiah chapter 8, starting in verse 19. 8.19. When someone tells you to consult mediums or spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam to the land. When they are famished... They will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they will be thrust into utter darkness. That passage right there talks about trusting the word of God and not consulting, as he says, mediums or spiritists, or we would say palm readers. Chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. What I just read was a prophecy written in 700 B.C. a full seven centuries before the time that Jesus was born. And In that passage, in that prophecy, it mentions darkness and light a few times. Isaiah was an Israelite. And during that time, and in Jesus' time, there were a few annual celebrations. One of the annual celebrations was called the Festival of Tabernacles. The Festival of Tabernacles was a week-long celebration. And it celebrated and commemorated the Exodus... Back when the Israelites, God's people, left Egypt, 40-year wandering throughout the desert into the Promised Land. What the Bible says in the book of Exodus is that God miraculously provided fire, fire by night, so that the Israelites could travel during the night when they needed to. So the Festival of Tabernacles is an annual celebration where all Jewish people from around Israel gather for this week-long celebration. And the centerpiece of this week-long celebration were these four candelabras that were put up outside the Temple Square in Jerusalem. These candelabras that were put up weren't like the candles that you put on your dining room table for a nice meal. These candelabras, all four of them, were 75 feet tall. This week... Clark Chapman, our maintenance director, and I uh, measured how high that is to give you a visual this morning. The catwalk up there, the distance between the catwalk and the floor is 25 feet. These candelabras were three times that height, And when laid on the ground, like they probably were for storage the rest of the year, I moved the two small Christmas trees to show you how far 75 feet is. From that small Christmas tree to that small Christmas tree is exactly 75 feet. So gigantic candelabras, four of them in the temple square. And each of the four had four wicks on top. You think of a candle wick, you just think of a, you know, like a, well, a wick like maybe an inch or two high. These wicks were the old garments from the priests according to Jewish custom cleanliness was very important and so once the uh, the priests had finished using their garments they would save them for once a year to be used at the festival of tabernacles this week-long celebration the these candles would be lit uh, every single night is that young men, history tells us that young men would climb this basically scaffolding, ladder and scaffolding to get up to the top to light these wicks, 16 of them all. And it's said that the light was so bright on each night of the Festival of Tabernacles that every household in Jerusalem had light coming into it. During one of those ceremonies... At least in one year that we read about in the new testament guess who appears at the festival of tabernacles jesus as a proper jew and certainly as a rabbi he would have gone to at least one of these festivals and we're told in the book of john that that jesus shows up at the end of one of these festivals the reason that's important is that the end of these festivals the festival of tabernacles we told you it was a week long. On the eighth day, everyone would gather for a solemn, uh, a, a solemn gathering. It's basically a closing ceremony for the, for the Festival of Tabernacles. Jesus comes and at the, on the eighth day, these candles would be extinguished and that would be the end of the festival. So on the eighth day, the candles have been ex- extinguished and here's what happens in John chapter 8 verse 12 says when Jesus spoke again to the people he said I am the light of the world whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life the thing about personally following Jesus is that once you come into a relationship with him, he sheds light onto your life. Not only that, he gives us insight into how life is really meant to be lived. And it's like when you, when you have Jesus in your life and are in full surrender to him, he adds color to your life. The reason I say that is because color is a function of light, color and light are intertwined the next time that it's a sunny day so like may or june at your house look for the sunlight coming in and hitting a wall a painted wall you'll see that the color of that wall where the sunlight's hitting looks a lot different a lot more vibrant than a part of the wall where sunlight isn't hitting it. The same is true even uh, even with light bulbs, but especially true with sunlight. Same wall, same color. The paint hasn't changed. But the light shining on it adds a depth, adds color, adds perspective that you hadn't seen before. I knew someone who had LASIK surgery. I asked him what the difference was before and after, and he said he could read a little bit better, but then he got a big grin in his face when he told me that he could see colors that he hadn't seen in years, and that things were coming to life, and that colors were so much more vibrant than they were before the surgery. He saw things now as they're meant to be seen as you can keep going on in your life without jesus in it and you can keep going on in your life with jesus as a sidebar figure in it if you choose absolutely he ha- and i can too he has given me and you free will to do that but you're cheating yourself and i'm cheating myself when i don't fully surrender myself to jesus because he gives existence to an other, he gives color to an otherwise gray existence he gives purpose and perspective when there's financial difficulty when there's a death in the family when there's an illness when there's a suffering when there's an adult child who has strayed from the faith he gives purpose and perspective that people who aren't following Christ don't have. And people who have Christ just as a sidebar figure in their life haven't fully experienced. Now Jesus doesn't only do all of that for our own benefit. He doesn't only do that for our own blessing. He's not only the light of the world For you and for your life. He also does that. So that you can be a blessing. And a benefit to others. Jesus says two things about being the light of the world. One, we just read. He says, I am the light of the world. But he says that someone else is the light of the world too. In the book of Matthew... In chapter 5, he says this. He says, you are the light of the world. To his followers, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light in the, everyone, to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Jesus says two things about who is the light of the world, and both statements are equally true. He says that he is the light of the world, and he says that you, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are the light of the world. Both statements are equally true. How is that? Well, Jesus remains the light of the world, and you are light of your world. And I'm light of my world. Jesus is light of the world. You and I are light of our world. You are light to your world, your co-workers, neighbors, classmates, friends at school, your family. As you live life on mission, spreading his light and spreading color to others there's something you should know and that is that we are to do so impartially one of the verses that i just read says that a lamp gives light to everyone if you're anything like me uh, you naturally gravitate toward people like yourself I'll, i'll just use i statements here i naturally gravitate toward people who are like me people who get me people who laugh at my bad jokes people who process like me, people who think like me. And then there are people that I have a harder time being around. And so I'll I will just I'll tell you this, that sometimes I choose to withhold giving light to people who I don't naturally gravitate toward. I don't know if that happens to you, but, but at least for me, there are people uh, with whom words just roll off my tongue where I can say something and they get it, they get what I'm saying the the, the very first time. And communication is is very natural and and we're in sync with each other. I can express myself clearly and just use just the right words to get my point across. And then there are others who it takes like three times as many words and have to circle around to to say it a different way uh, to make sure that we're in sync. And I get tongue-tied. And so what I do is I just naturally choose not to spread light to people who I don't naturally gravitate toward. I'm going to guess that, that you may do the same thing too. And yet, we are to be light and color to people in our world and to do so impartially whether we get along with that person naturally or not. One way that this plays out is that you and I are not to withhold spreading Jesus' light to people who happen to have a different skin color, who vote differently, who have a handicap, who were born in a different part of the world, or who are attracted to a certain gender we are to give our light and color impartially on a very practical level that may mean that you start praying for a family member who you're going to see in a couple of weeks that family member who rubs you the wrong way that family member who reminds you that you've gained some weight that family member who boasts about their super successful adult children. That family member whose Christmas letter you don't even like opening each December. That family member whose kids never cry when sitting on Santa's lap. That family member whose family picture looks perfect on that social media site. What's it called? Fake book. <laughs> Last year, I found the perfect gift for Sarah and her mom. Our eternal perfect gift, that baby who grew up to be the light of the world so that we can be light in our world, the one who's... They're going to come back again one day, maybe soon, maybe a long time from now, to establish his kingdom that has values like justice and righteousness, to bring peace forever. Didn't come to earth so that you and I would hold on to old grudges. Didn't come to earth so that you and I would be stuck in bitterness or in disappointment. He came to earth to be the light of the world and so that you and I can be light in our world. I'm gonna invite you to close your eyes as I read a portion of that prophecy of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. You may open your eyes. If you don't have Jesus in your life, make this the last Christmas season where he's outside your life. And if Jesus is a sidebar figure, make this the last Christmas season that he holds that position and lets all of us receive his light so that we then can be light in our world. Amen? We hope that you've enjoyed today's sermon. Please check us out at www.ccch.org and plan a visit for next Sunday. We would love to see you.